Lifetime Live with Griselda Dudumashe. Thank you so much uh, for tuning in. It's uh, Lifetime Live with me, Chrisalda Dudumash, and we're having a very disturbing conversation. No parents wants to send their child to higher education um, to get education and come back um, either uh, dead or perhaps um, being violated in the most gruesome of ways. And uh, joining us uh, to have this conversation is Boingubo, who's Kensani Masego's friend, um, social media friend it started with. And uh, we're also joined by Dr. Ramnik Alualia. Uh, just to reflect, uh, he's CEO of Higher Education and Training, Health and Wellness Development Center um, for uh, Higher Education. Just to reflect on uh, the current situation. I mean, these conversations have been going on uh, for a while. Um, um, and and good good afternoon and welcome uh, to both of you. I'll start with you, um, Dr. Ramnik. Uh, these conversations have been going on for a while. And, you know, when I listen to reflections on what happened to Kensani, it almost feels like we're starting from beginning. No, you're right, Griselda. It is, um, it's indeed very sad. We, we cannot afford to lose a single student. Um, they are the only hope of transformation South Africa has. Um, they are the ones who are supposed to go up pay the black tax, look after the children, and grow the next economy out of South Africa from poverty levels. Um, and this is absolutely not acceptable. And um, as much as I agree with you, um, this is terrible, but I must be also informing you that over the last two years, we've also gone through a very tough route to at least mainstream gender-based violence within higher education and training. Um, right across the TVET and universities, um, in the roads, UCTs, you hear it from media and social media. There are many TVET colleges deep in rural areas where we can't even, they don't even have access to social media or internet or media in general to even voice out the concerns or issues of gender-based violence or report gender-based violence. So the aim is to be collectively fighting for every campus at a rural area to an urban area and to ensure that we have a a framework or a policy that that helps every vice chancellor, every rector in the college to invest in gender-based violence, mainstream gender-based violence, put plans together for a comprehensive prevention plan, safety campuses, so that there's no other gender-based violence that can happen. You can prevent new cases of GBV, put psychosocial support infrastructure, exposure of post-exposure prophylaxis, oral contraception. So everything holistically, right from care and support, prevention, uh, peer-to-peer-led, we need to fight it at every level, in classroom or out of classroom. This is a huge epidemic for higher education. Maybe let's take a reflection on life at campus, um, at, at campus, uh, Dr. Ramnik. Uh, you, you've conducted a study um, and, and uh, reflections uh, because it's, it's, you know, it's all good and well to only reflect on what happened to Kensani now. Um, parents need to know what their children are going through. And some of the presentations that you make um, share uh, either with uh, politicians uh, alike. Parents may not have access uh, to the kind of lifestyles that uh, our children are exposed to at higher education institutions. Chrisella, you're, you're right. I mean, you know, this unbound freedom of, of a 15-year-old or a 17-year-old or an 18-year-old. You know, our universities take in, uh, students from 17 to 18 year onwards, whereas our TVET colleges take students from 15 year onwards. Um, that's how our constitution allows students to join in. And, you know, these are very young teenagers, you know, late teens, or early teens, or middle teens. And when they join... Uh, higher education, a certain unbound freedom, you know, uh, they live in residences, they live outside their 
parent and guardian control, and there are many vulnerabilities that come across the higher education. Most of our students come from very poor households, and that's the reality of us. And simple things like transactional sex, it becomes predominant. You know, the older men uses our campuses for preying on young women. Mm-hmm. And gender-based violence is another example of transactional sex. Uh, transactional sex leads to gender-based violence. And we've got a, 14% of our students, according to one of our studies, have indicated the amount of transactional sex that happens within our institutions of higher learning. Qualitative data even suggests much higher numbers. Uh, multiple partnerships, our students change partners. This is the age of that unbound freedom where they want to explore sexual in- uh, sexual partners, you know. Um, in the initial, we, our researchers show that initially they use condoms, um, but uh, but after three, four sex, they start abiding by, by the partner. They, they remove the condom away, and, and, and then again it goes to the process that that they have a new partner every month. So we've got 41% multiple partnership among our students. And that makes um, a kind of HIV epidemics wonderful. Drugs and alcohol is a huge predecessor of uh, gender-based violence. A study from WHO has now indicated South Africa is ranked one when it comes to 65% of our GBV cases are preceded by drugs or alcohol or alcohol abuse in general, which is obviously very high when it comes to higher education and training. Residence, uh, environment, freedom, uh, one student influencing the another peer when it comes to drugs and alcohol. And that makes the culture of environment of higher education much more vulnerable when it comes to the epidemics, both of HIV or the gender-based violence in general, or any other epidemic when it comes to young people in particular. Um, other factors can be safety. You know, we also, from the management perspective, are very, very cognizant now that the safety at campuses, simple things like lighting, uh, is a lighting proper when the girl is leaving the library in the night and walking across the residence? Mm-hmm. Is our culture like the campus security? Who manages the campus security? Because we found that many times that our campus security is perpetrators. It, they themselves are perpetrators of gender Look, violence. we'll talk about corrective measures. Um, right now, I just wanted uh, for it to sink in for parents who are listening and, and students alike um, on, on what life is like on <coughs> campus. Um, because it's all good and well for us to just... Uh, look at, uh, be reactionary and, and just look at uh, responses uh, from a point of not having information. And also joining us is Boingubo, who is uh, Kensani's friend who posted, we failed you Kensani Masego. I failed you as a friend. Uh, we were there, uh, but not really there. Uh, you spoke to us. We never um, really listened. I, I can't even begin to imagine what you had to go through for you to reach this decision. I will always love you. Um, Boy, good afternoon. Uh, Deepest condolences. I know how difficult um, this uh, may be for you, but thank you for taking our call. Now, In in the conversations that you've had with Kensani, I mean, Kensani was one of those overachievers. Um, What are some of the concerns that she raised when you say that uh, I didn't listen? What are some of the, uh, you know, situations that you feel like uh, we failed her in? So thank you very much, Chris Alda, and a warm welcome to all your listeners as well. I think for me, more than anything else, it was, like you're saying, she was a go-getter. She was an individual who was overachieving, zealous, smart. Uh, but where I feel that we, I, because I can't speak for anyone else, um, in terms of communicating with an individual, we, we become so 
routine. There's certain things I ask you, how are you doing? And then you say, no, kuzolunga, mm. type of things. And we don't probe any further than that because mm. we're so consumed by our own spaces. We're so consumed by our own challenges. We're so consumed by our own depression that you almost ask these questions to your friends and to your, in your family as a ticking of box measurement, as opposed mm. to really asking and really trying to get in. And, and delve into how people are feeling. And so there's nothing in particular where I'll say, no, this conversation, this was m- m- what I think she might have meant or no. But I mean, we, I've, I've, got, I've got a foundation that I opened up that looks at young men speaking to older men about mainly things and issues that we've got in society and Simpi Shola Foundation. So I'd interact with her a lot on that in terms of trying to communicate in terms of she had a foundation that she was trying to run. Mm. And I'd say, how do we leverage off this? How do I, who's viewed as a very European Zulu man, try and communicate with my father or my grandfather, who's a very traditional Zulu man? Where do we differ? How do we speak to each other from one generation to the other? And at the, towards the end, she spoke a lot about how women women need to be at the core of every decision that we take. And we were speaking a lot about consent. But again, like I'm saying, I didn't delve into it because it mm. wasn't it wasn't anything out of it the ordinary. It was a passing me. discussion. Yes. It's, so it's Dr. Ramnik, given this um, reality, I mean, in everything else that you alluded to earlier, uh, fast forward, what has the conversations led to? Is there a policy that's going to be in place? Um, because, you know, we we talk about this, we talk about conversations around lists, um, but this seems to be a, a very slow progression to enabling um, higher education institutions on how to deal with these issues. Um, Chrisella, is the question to me? Yes, yes. Yeah, no, Chrisella, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, um, exactly two years back, uh, um, after lots of incidences, which, which has been a chronic, it's not something that's happened only now. You know, um, Kinsani's death has has re- reignited the entire thing to realities of what higher education needs to do. Mm. But this problem has been sitting on higher education for a very, very long time. We, we go back to literature since 1970 that the gender-based violence has been very rife in our institutions on campuses. Reports, um, data suggest from across many universities, right across, and even 1991 in UCT, there was a massive conference of 18 universities that took a stand on gender-based violence. And suddenly, um, it, 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 it's, it's something that has never been mainstreamed within higher education. And comes 2018 now, we are in a position where we need to do something immediately. I don't think there's any delay that's warranted by any one of us, not right in, in the country, both within the institutions of higher learning, staff, students, or parents outside, or people who are going to join higher education. So a policy work was started around two years back. Um, uh, a technical task team was appointed, uh, and, the, and the whole amount of research was gone into understanding what kind of policy needs to be put in gender-based violence. Mm. In Africa, there is not even a single gender-based violence policy on any sector or any country level that exists in, 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 in the sphere. So it was all a brand absolutely fresh to see what needs to be put. So um, at now we have consulted 26 universities, 50 TVET colleges. Mm. We've tried to consult as far as possible the management, the institutions, student governing bodies, right across um, different formulations of councils and others that sit in higher education, and of course the stakeholders that are 
going to be part and parcel of this. A national policy is, in principle, needs to be now gazetted by the cabinet. So the policy has been consulted. It's developed in the draft phase. It's ready. But it's not what I think is just a document. And I know our listeners will be saying another document. Mm. But for me, it's a document that should mainstream HIA, mainstream gender-based violence across all our universities and TVET campuses. Force vice chancellors and uh, TVET rectors to now invest. Develop disciplinary tribunals at every campus level. Disciplinary tribunals that are, bi- that are non-biased. Sure. That includes women, that includes survivors who understand what, this, what it means to live with GBV. Um, mm. The tri- disciplinary tribunals act immediately for any case to be reported. Makes an environment where our students are feel confident to report because we want more and more students to report. And I, I, they will report, justice will come, more psychosocial support will be given and we'll get a graduate. Because I can only imagine, it's not Kinsani, there are many more students yeah. who are living with GBV and sitting in the class and not performing. And and what right now, I mean, everyone is saying um, the rape happened in, in, in May and she's only reporting now. And easier said than done. Um, boy, you also talk about how parents should really teach their sons about consent. Uh, talk to us about yes. that. You know, I was, I was about to interject as the prophet speaking because I feel that the issue here, the issue with our institutions, and I mean, I was on an SRC at a, an institution and I led on the SRC, left an amount at, at corporate. The issue that we've got with society is that we've got a double standard that we function at. And we need to be realistic about this. It's mm. a systematic issue that we've got. When your boy child is being raised, I'm a boy child. How I was raised as versus how my sister was raised are two completely different things. From a very young age, we, we are not taught about consent. Mm. And that is a fundamental problem because you need to understand right now we're speaking about legislation, which is great, but you're seeking at speaking to an ethical dilemma, which is what we're facing as society. You're trying to put legislative solution. The problem with that is that you're speaking to two completely different things. Yes. In the long shot, it might be looking at speaking and dealing with it. But our issue is that we as men, we as males have been benefiting for the longest time in this patriarchal system called life. And we need to arrive at a point where we become realistic with the new people we are adding into new generations, that being the young boy child. Because there's nothing wrong with a girl wearing whatever she chooses to wear. She could be walking around naked for all we know and for all we care. But it still does not give me a right to do anything to her. Mm. Her silence when I'm in when I'm in bed with her does not mean she's consenting. Me buying drinks for her the whole night does not mean that's consent. But the issue's with me, it's not with her. And we need to start arriving at that point because only once we arrive at that point can any legislative arm help us. Because Look, let's take the news the headlines. Um, let's take the news headlines. After the news headlines, I'd like us to just focus on whose responsibility is it to then teach this. Utsile Sako is next. Call Chris Salda now. 0891-104-207. We're taking your calls right now and uh, also your SMSs at 40938, charged at 150. And you can join us uh, via Twitter and Facebook at SAFM Radio, hashtag SAFM Lifetime Live. And taking your calls right now, 0891-104-207, as uh, we reflect on uh, the rape culture at higher education institutions. And joining us on the line is uh, Boeing Gubo, um, who is a friend, consent friend, um, who says 
you know, we spoke, I heard you, but I didn't hear you. And uh, also joining us is Dr. Ramnika Lualia, who is CEO of Higher Education and Training um, Health, Wellness and Development Center, as we reflect on what is uh, at higher education institutions. Now, boy, you clearly articulated, um, you know, consent, uh, which is what all of us should be aware of. Uh, but unfortunately, it's not the case. So whose responsibility is it to teach this? Um, it, on, it, I, I'd, I'd like to think it's not, it's not black and white. There's a lot of gray in this matter. But number one, the parents. Mm. It's, it's the parents. And when I say the parents, I'm not just only referring to the parents that give birth to you. Sometimes we've got, we've got what we call cultural defects mm. that infiltrate and fest into all these things that influence how I treat and how I perceive women. So number one, when I say the parent, it's actually the greater community. Number two, higher education institutions need to understand that they've got a fiduciary duty to ensure that the students are safe. The reason that I can be raped in May and I'm only reporting it on the 30th of July is because mm. I've got friends that have been raped who email and put through the right complaints through all the channels of the varsity and I get an email that said to me we will look into it focus on your studies sure. and this this for me is a and that's the thing that's exactly what you should be focusing on on your studies and not your yes. safety let's go to the lines uh, Skumbuzo you're joining us from MTATA good afternoon mm. mind-boggling and disgusting that every time we are found on the receiving end but I feel men are to blame because most of the households here um, women-headed and the fathers are absent. So we are actually to blame. We need to train ourselves. We need to train our kids. Um, the boys from the tender age that uh, when a woman says no, it's no. A girl says no, it's no. We need to teach them how to respect even their, their sisters at home. But surprisingly, people have got a lot of rights here, which is a bit worry, and women do not have rights. It is so surprising. I think we need to like, call for the culture whereby men can sit and dialogue on, on this one. Thank you very Thank much. you very much, Skumbozo, which it just leads me to a question to self. That what, I mean, how does uh, issues like uh, cultural practices where uh, young men are taught how to behave um, during initiation, how much that contributes um, to this toxic masculinity that we are exposed to? Stephen Bumalanga, good afternoon. Hello, how are you? I'm, I'm sad, thank you, sir. How are you? All right. Um, you see, the topic that you are talking about destroy our country. Mm. Because if you check here in Pumalanga, Moji, who is one of the Tibet colleagues in Pumalanga, I cannot mention the name. Um, if you check the statistics of rape of those uh, girls or other lady students, uh, last year, it was more than eight that I know. The other lady that she was raped five times inside the campus. Mm. Nothing has been done. Nothing has been too. done. Yeah, nothing. But what have you done, Steve? Because, you know, I, I feel like everyone else is looking for someone else to do things, um, but we're not reflecting on what I can do. 
No, what have we done? We try to communicate with that. I said we try to pursue the lady to open a case mm. to the local police station. But even today, the the person who caused all those things is not arrested. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Steve, for your call. Uh, Lufuno Bobulama, um, Bobuluma on Twitter says, this reminds me of uh, my days at university when a man suspected um, of rape cases around the campus was apprehended uh, by female students. The university was uh, shut down for days. Students were up in arms. And as men, uh, we need to be our sister's keepers. 100%. And and in that, I mean, how do you prevent people from taking law into their hands um, when the law does not uh, provide security and safety uh, for, for women, uh, for students in campuses? Now, Dr. Ramnik, talking about way forward, w- what sort of measures have been put in place, whether it's temporarily, um, to ensure that uh, students feel safe in campuses? No, I think, Griselda, uh, um, I totally agree with the, the, the other speaker and everyone around that it has to be a, a multi-pronged approach. You know, mm. we need everyone together to fight this battle. It's an epidemic, and we need to fight an epidemic here called gender-based violence. And now, the, the next big steps are how do we lobby and mainstream gender-based violence within institutions, senior management, and the Congress? Um, the biggest step here will be is how do we make it possible that there is the availability of disciplinary tribunals that is available at every campus level? How do we capacitate them? How do we ensure their presence is there? The second big element for us is how do we bring infrastructure within our institutions of higher learning, which it means how to deal with the GBB survivor? Uh, how do we make sure that the post-exposure prophylaxis, post-traumatic counseling, trauma counseling, mm. as well as... Um, um, uh, contraception availability is easy in access to a student. The third biggest thing is how do we do safer campus audits? We want we have to do every campus audits which on safety, and we have to hold accountability around management when it comes to security, when it comes to lighting, when it comes to simple things like locks in the bathrooms, in sports complexes, residence safety. How do we fight drugs and alcohol in our environment so that? That has been known as a very big trigger. And I know we are all talking about GBV, but we need to talk about this elephant who causes GBV. And how do we make our management, our structures in higher education so strong? We need your help, Rissell, and many other media houses. Mm. We request them. How do we reach our parents so that they have discussions with the parents, with the children on suffer. And I guess for me, that's the biggest missing link, um, Dr. Alwali Amacheta Tabang says, uh, question to be answered, are the universities properly equipped to deal with such issues? Are their internal processes effective and efficient to um, properly deal with such uh, reoccurring events? And what have they done uh, doing or doing about it? And, and, you know, once again, it's all about what the university universities are doing and and the question then uh, begs to be as you conclude uh, boy where do these young men come from yes <laughs> as i conclude these young men come from our communities these young men come from broken homes mm. these young men are our friends these young men are our uncles these young men are our brothers these young men are our fathers and that's what we first need to do i you see 
all I'm saying about these young men, I'm not excluding myself. I'm saying in the space that I live in, I live with some of these men. And the message that I've just got for all men out there, watch at the things you legitimize by being in them. Mm. Be acutely aware of the spaces you legitimize by being in them. So if I've got a friend that is abusive, by me being silent and not calling the friend out, I'm party to that abuse. By me simply saying not in my name and not doing anything after that, I'm actually part of the problem. So these men come from our communities. We live with these men. We are these men. And that's what we first need to take responsibility of, that we are broken. And then we can then go out and seek help. Thank you. Thank you very much uh, to both of you uh, for joining us. Uh, Dr. Ramnik Alwalia, who's CEO of Higher Education and Training, Health, Wellness and Development Center, uh, HAIDS, and uh, also Boeing Ubo, who's Kensani Masego's uh, friend, and reflecting on uh, the role that we can play as individuals uh, on, on uh, some of the messages. Uh, Chris, I will not be surprised if the boyfriend was never arrested for rape, largely due to those stupid human rights, and that's from a uh, MYO Mio. And uh, there's also SFM, really, you are blowing this issue uh, of uh, gender based violence out of, and almost every program is covering this. It, 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 it all goes down educating your children, in educating the adults um, are not parenting properly, and all this violence is being perpetrated uh, not by um, minority students, it's majority students committing this. We're going back to the days of barbarism. I guess, you know, the reason we have these conversations is so we understand and know why it is that we perpetrate this type of violence um, in, in the way that it's happening. Uh, the issue of rape is one-sided. The issue affects both men and women. Higher education must ensure that no male student is allowed to enter female race. Males, uh, male students are allowed to visit female race until uh, 12 midnight. Uh, also, issue of alcohol must be banned at higher education uh, that's put in my thinking uh, but you know who gets to then ensure that uh, this um, is implemented at higher education institutions and once again where do these perpetrators of violence come from whose children are they where, what, what society uh, informs their narrative and I guess the conversation continues uh, both on Twitter and Facebook and right now uh, we have our words of wisdom coming right up